Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. As always, you can reach us at food at markbittman.com, and we'd love to hear from you with suggestions, questions, answers, criticisms, whatever you got. We will respond. Uh, that's food at markbittman.com. And we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, of course, and rate it wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully rating it well. Tell your friends about it. And please consider subscribing to our near-daily newsletter, The Bitman Project. You can find that at markbitman.com or at bitmanproject.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We have a couple of special guests today, plus one of my favorite co-hosts. Let's let's talk about the most famous person first, Linda Ronstadt, who was an icon when I was young, a young woman who came out of nowhere, a genre-breaking singer. Uh, with a voice as smooth as Mercury and a song selection that seemed both anachronistic and wildly appealing. Linda grew up in Tucson, and as you probably know, the Deep Southwest was officially the United States, but much of it culturally was and remains Mexican. 
there's that great saying, we didn't move south of the border, they moved the border north of where we live. Uh, and that applies to much of the Southwest. Linda's family straddled that border, something that was easier to do and more common in those days. They did that so much with family and friends and errands on both sides that she and many others came to think of that area not as the U.S. or Mexico, but as a fluid state of Arizona and the Mexican state of Sonora. Fast forward, I don't know, 60 years. Linda has returned regularly her whole life. She considers herself a border person, a Sonoran. She leads an old-fashioned hippie-style bus trip with a bus filled with people who were decidedly not hippies, but some at least once were. And among these people is former New York Times editorial board member and writer, my friend Lawrence Downs, a person to whom, coincidentally, I owe a big life favor. We'll talk about that at some point. And when Lawrence called, oh, I don't know, a year ago and said, hey, I'm going to Sonora with Linda Ronstadt. We're going to look at food and nature and culture and write a book about it. I invited them on the podcast immediately. The book is called Feels Like Home. It's a beauty. And I have with me today not only Lawrence and Linda, but my good friend and colleague, Kerry Conan, like me, something of an aging hippie. It's a rollicking and fun conversation filled with good spirit and beauty and love. And I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. You both are mutual fans of each other. <laughs> Linda's a big Bitman fan. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Aww. Well, I've been a fan of yours since I was a youngin. <laughs> I don't cook. I just read cookbooks and dream. Well, yeah, there is that. That's fun. I'm looking forward to talking about the food I've spent. I think Mark asked me to join because I spent a lot of time in Tucson. I have a really good friend who's born and raised in Tucson. So I was thrilled to see you call carne seca cotton, brown cotton candy because I've always referred to it as meaty cotton candy. But <laughs> that was so fun. We used to dry it at our house and there were flies all over it. Oh, it unbelievable. I said you could probably make it in a dehydrator. <laughs> flies? No, without the flies. <laughs> without the flies. Dehydrated flies for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say that Lawrence and I have a history, having both been at the, he was on the editorial board at the Times uh, and was instrumental in bringing me to the opinion section. He also two or three times wrote very nice things about the minimalist column. But anyway, we go back a ways. But we hadn't been in touch. And Lawrence called and said, I'm going on this bus trip with Linda Ronstadt. And we're going to do a book about it. I mean, that is kind of what happened, right? Well, we, yeah. uh, we went down. The, first of all, we'll just do an article for the Times, right? So there were, there were two trips. The first one was in 2013 when I did a travel story for the Times uh, about Linda and her roots. And I tricked him because <laughs> he said, how would you like to do Linda's Arizona? And I said, how about we do Linda's Sonoran Desert? It's on both sides of the border and we can go to Mexico. Yeah, that's what really grabbed me also was that sort of both sides of the border thing, which makes perfect sense, but not a lot of people do that. It was a real revelation to me because I had I had not been over the border on the Arizona side. I'd been over like in California and Texas, and I had this idea of the border region as as barren and desolate, you know, like panhandle texas or something 
But when you get south into this Rio Sonora Valley, it's like Shangri-La or or Brigadoon or something. It's it's well watered and beautiful and pretty lush. It's like the Nile. It, it's, it's on both sides of the of the river. There's actually a geographer who said that there's there's no other place in, outside the Fertile Crescent that has this combination of like desert fertility. And that was what was so beautiful about it. It's real it was, rich alluvial soil. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it looked beautiful, the photos in the book. Yeah, the book makes it look gorgeous. Beautiful. And the rest of it all around is just like a skull or a skeleton. It's hopeless. Desert is so dry. You know, I find a lot of beauty in the desert, but it's not where you want to be stuck. No. Any water supply or any. Then all of a sudden you come along and it's just this green, emerald green snake moving through the valley. So... The bus trip story I told you about was kind of this thing that I've learned happens with Linda is that she invites people along. So we started out, she had this idea for a cookbook. It was she's like a 60s San Francisco hippie. Originally going to be a cookbook. <laughs> yeah, just basically recipes stapled together somehow. And it was going to be us, uh, Linda and I, and Bill Steen, the photographer, who's also um, has deep, deep roots in in Tucson and Sonora, and he knows this food really well, inside and out. He could really cook very well. And he also, from many years of crossing the border, he knows um, home cooks, women, and folks who can make family-style Sonoran food that's completely delicious that you never find because they don't have restaurants. You just go down there. So Linda kind of came up with this idea, but then more and more people came along. <laughs> there was a the, I found out about it. <laughs> so she said, "Come on, let." So the the CNN documentary crew that ended up making the documentary was it Sound of My Voice or, or yeah. Linda and the Mockingbirds? They were finishing it, and I said, if they wanted to interview me, they had to go to Mexico. <laughs> um, I like to go there. I just have to work it into my work somehow, my schedule. And then we brought Los Enzontles, which is a youth arts academy from the East Bay. So that's about 18, 20 kids right there. <laughs> and uh, Randy Lewis from the LA Times and a writer from the Tucson paper. Randy Lewis in the LA Times. LA Times. And um, Linda's a couple of cousins and Linda's nephew. And then spouses. You had spouses and girlfriends and so then we had to get a bus. <laughs> it sounds like you had to get a big bus. It was the bathroom. It's it was like Rolling Thunder Review, <laughs> put it. So it was it was theoretically, technically about book research, but it just turned into a bigger party. One of the things that really struck me, both in the book and that your documentary, was how I'm going to call it kind of a quiet activism, but. Like that interview with you on the beach talking about women and rock and roll. And then later that your views on immigration and how the border, we were just saying how the border isn't. So I thought maybe if you're um, game and then your letter to the Pope and confronting Pompeo and it's like, can you maybe talk a little bit about this immigration work and how how important it is to you and how just. How, I mean, like you did in the book, speak from your heart about it a little bit. Well, it's overwhelming. There's so much suffering down there. And it used to be such a cool place. You'd go down for lunch, go a little shopping, visit some friends and come back home. And they were, it was part of our culture. But I don't know. The fence is a catastrophe environmentally and 
socially. It meant that we couldn't, those merchants, we used to come up and shop in Tucson too. So it was a two-way, it was a win-win situation. They closed the border. It closed down a lot of stores in Tucson. The people come up for ranching, ranching supplies and hardware. People come up to buy clothes. And, and always it was back and forth. You take a, if you went to visit a friend in Mexico, you take a bag of almonds that you grew or they came up there. They, they, they brought whatever they were growing on the farm. And it was just a really cordial thing. And when the, when the, when they built the fence, it stopped animals migrating. Mm. It really it, hurt the it, animals. It kind of makes you feel like you've done something wrong or there's something sinister in, in crossing and recrossing. Well, there was razor wire, you know, hurting animals and children and totally unnecessary. And we went across That was the day they, the Trump, um, militarized the border. He sent troops there. We went across to Nogales, Mexico, and there was nothing going on. People were skateboarding. They were shopping. They were having their day. The date that our bus crossed the border, south, going south, with all the kids on board. Oh, and Jackson Brown, he came along, too. <laughs> well, Jackson, Jackson, I had gotten Jackson involved yeah. with the Sensone list. I, I, I'm always safe if I take musicians there because the musical intent and level is so high that they 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 get it right away i did the same thing with taj with taj mahal and rye cooter but jackson was so impressed with the kids he wanted to write a song with with eugene rodriguez the guy who's the head of it yeah these are east bay kids and um when eugene rodriguez and his wife um astrid work with them they really introduce them to the whole rich um the culture and the roots that they yeah, may they, not know about but they have a, a cultural center that they they run about 300 kids a week through. And it gives them a sense of place. It gives them a sense that they have food that they have cooking there. They have, they're really good cooks. And kids can go there and do their homework and learn to dance a little bit. <laughs> if they have visual arts. Are all of them from Sonora or from all over Mexico? They're from all over. And they're they're just kids from, um, uh, you know, a poor neighborhood um, near Oakland. And... The idea is that Eugene, who's all about connecting people to their history and their tradition and their roots, shows them that there's a there's a, a lot, many years and and um, a lot of culture that there's that they're coming from and that they can rediscover and and the the kind of excellence that they strive for, the quality of their musicianship is really high. It's what struck Linda when she was just watching them busking on a, at a street fair. They were playing music for the right reason. They play music not to perform and be trained seals, but to just explore the joy of expressing yourself through music. And they, they're, they're, their emotions are complex. You know, it's tough to live, grow up in a tough neighborhood. It's tough to, one of the girls had migrated as a child across the border. And they had to get in the back of a car and, you know, just she'd gone through a lot. And she told them all about it when she'd sing. Even if she was singing about bluebirds or something, you mm. tell them all about it, you know. But the point we had made earlier was that the day we crossed over was the day that the previous administration declared a national emergency at the border. And it didn't look like a national emergency to us. We were just riding in a bus heading down for lunch and they were singing and, and you see it in the, in the documentary. It was just yeah. really happy and beautiful. Yeah, and so this maybe leads to a discussion a little bit more about your own family's musical background and how they traversed the border many generations back. 
You know, I think that's a really interesting story that we didn't even really know until we got turned on to the Canciones albums, um, which are made absolutely a breathtaking. I enjoyed them so much researching and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say I didn't know about them earlier. I'm embarrassed, but I enjoyed them so much this week researching. Oh, I'm glad. Um, everyone in my family was connected with music in one way or another, not necessarily as professionals, although some were, but, um, as, as musicians, that, that, that's center of the social gathering, food and music. You eat first, then you play music. And most of the people in my family can sing a harmony or so, you know, strum a guitar. They, they know a little bit about opera. I'm an opera fan. And it's just always been that way. I thought everybody played and sang. So that's one of the reasons I like the Tensonlas, because they encourage families. They'll, they'll take, you know, three sisters together. And then they encourage them to play music at home. And it's it's amazing how they how they get into it. They they start having social events planned around those dances. And other people come too. So the, the culture is spreading. So you grew up singing and playing with your sisters, your parents, your aunts and uncles? Yeah, we just sing whatever we wanted to sing. You know, um, soap commercials or country songs or bluegrass songs. We sang as a trio. And then we eventually started work. We got job offers and we worked a little bit in Tucson and Phoenix. But my brother wanted to be a cop and he, the cops didn't like him hanging out and beating it dives, playing folk music. <laughs> but that wasn't appropriate. So he left the band. My sister had five kids. So she left the band and that left me. So I went to Los Angeles where the music was happening. Huh. And that became Stone Ponies, or what was the first thing? And the Stone Ponies, which I did with a, um, I did with a friend from Tucson. We started it, but the two of us went to California to we got a third member. We had more gigs there. We played in pizza parlors and beatnik dives. It was fun. Yeah, Tucson was a little too small. Yeah. And the Troubadour. I've actually been to the Troubadour, but a decade later, so I was more of the punk Troubadour years. Yeah, they turned it into a mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit different than the folk scene, right? Yeah, the old one was better. People had to sit down at tables and chairs. You know, it was, it was a coffee house. Yeah. Cabaret theater. I saw Tim Buckley at the Troubadour. Oh, did you? Yeah, I remember that. He was my neighbor. And Monica, we all lived in sort of the doors and the Tim Buckley and Charles Seeger, Pete Seeger's father. We all lived in the same block. Wow. Wow. He rents for the cheap. It was right on the beach. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, folks. We have a new sponsor and an interesting one. We all take about 20,000 breaths a day, and Americans spend about 90% of our time indoors. That indoor air that we breathe can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. And indoor air pollutants can cause respiratory symptoms like sneezing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. So, what's the solution? Introducing Air Doctor, the air purifier that filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BITMAN. B-I-T-T-M-A-N, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to our listeners, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com. That's A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code BITMAN. Hi, folks. A word from our friends at Made In. Did you know that most of the dishes in Tom Colicchio's craft restaurant are made in, made in pots and pans? The braised short ribs, made in, made in. The Rohan duck, made in, made in. The heritage pork chop, you got it, made in, made in. Which isn't surprising. Made In has been supplying top chefs and restaurants with high-end cookware for years. For the simple reason that Made In makes exactly what demanding chefs are looking for. Their carbon steel cookware, for example, combines the best of cast iron and stainless steel, gets super hot, and is rugged enough for grills or an open flame. Best of all, Made In is sold online, so their professional-grade cookware is far more affordable than other iron brands. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes on menus all around the world have in common. They're made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from the 18th until the 27th. Visit MadeInCookware.com. That's MadeInCookware.com. Thanks. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. 
The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include Dynamic Sky Panorama Glass Roof, Front Row Massaging Seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Well, should we start talking about the food a little bit? I, you know, that I, I mean, not that everything else isn't interesting, but I was so excited to talk about um, these dishes we mentioned in particular. Well, cheese crisps, of course, because that's a Tucson thing, right? It's not really a Mexican thing. Is that correct? Is my understanding correct? I think it's a Tucson thing. I think it was Mexican Americans attempted to have something to do an alternative to pizza. And if it's oh, cooked, right. Right, it's really that way. Uh, one of the things I noticed is that they don't. I, I did, but basically, uh, according to what they fry in, what kind of oil they fry in, if it's rancid or not, I don't like it. Rancid <laughs> <laughs> oil is one of my pet peeves in restaurants. So they, it's fresh and the cheese is fresh. They put them in, in the oven and they have to be crispy all the way through. And then they serve like on pizza stands, right? At El Menudo, at least where yeah. I've been, they, that's how they serve it. You eat pieces of it. You eat the first bite, and you go, "I'm gonna eat the whole thing. Don't anybody touch it. I'll get another one for you." <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. That's what um, I still haven't quite figured it out because I made some yesterday, and they were floppy. And the whole point of cheese crisp is that you have to pre-crisp the flour tortilla, and then you put the cheese on it, and then you put it under the broiler. And it's got um, a lot of butter and butter, and maybe green chili slices, strips, or something, but. Um, we ate them, but they weren't, it wasn't quite, I didn't quite get the El Minuto perfection when I tried it. Linda's in the oil camp? Yeah. I'm a great believer in lard. I think it's one of the great fats. I mean, a fried tortilla is not much better than that. Yeah, well. We were talking yesterday about Diana Kennedy's uh, insistence that vegetable shortening was okay for a flour tortilla recipe. But it depends on the vegetable shortening. People cook with canola oil in. or Crisco or something. And Crisco is full of, it's not healthy. No, yeah. hydrogenated. We don't go that way. <laughs> yeah, Mark doesn't <laughs> play homogenated. We don't go down that road. <laughs> I remember these arguments back in the, I don't think it was the 70s. I think it was more like the 80s where there were all these old pie recipes and they would say, you had to use Crisco. And I got into so many fights with people. And I was like, don't you understand that they were using Crisco because they thought it was somehow better than butter or lard? Yeah. But in fact, it's worse. And the texture isn't better either. You need butter. I mean, to me, the best pie crusts are butter and lard mixed together. But yeah. Well, coconut fat works really well, too. Well, that's interesting. It has strong flavor, though. Yeah, it does, but it's good. Yeah. I wonder how that would be in tortillas. Have you ever tried it in tortillas or enchiladas? 
I don't know. That sounds. <laughs> that sounds, sounds strange. Surgeries are really hard to make. You have to start when you're when you're three. Learn how to help them out, and then you learn to stretch them because. The tortillas they have in Mexico are so different from the ones up here. The ones up here are called, like gummy wonder bread. Yeah. yeah. Mexico are like some delicious confection that's just incredibly good pastry. It's, it's layered. It's it's, it's, it's um, flaky and it's stretchy and it's made out of wheat that adds flavor, which is yeah. a Because we, we have dead wheat up here. Wheat flour is just bread for something other than eating. So the flavor of the flour has a lot to do with it and the texture of it. And then the abondigas, the Ronstadt family meatballs, those sounded really interesting too. Can you speak a little bit about where, where they came from? Well, my grandmother used to make them for my grandfather would come home for lunch every day. And she she put onion, cilantro, and some chopped tomatoes. And then she put a little bit of mint in it. And the mint didn't make it taste minty, it just made it taste sort of full and really fresh. Hmm. Mm. And that was her her hot lick with the mint and the and it made it taste so good. Terrific I, idea. And the tomatoes inside, that sounds really interesting. Well, the the recipe calls for tomato paste, but I think chopped tomatoes are better. I think we made it chopped tomatoes. Yeah. When I first made these, I wasn't familiar with these and I got the recipe. Actually, it was in the New York Times. They did a piece about Gilbert Ronstadt in the late '80s, and they and we adapted that recipe. But I was a, a little alarmed. Like I'm thinking, why am I dropping little balls of raw hamburger in boiling water? I've never done that before. What's that going to be? Like? And it actually turned out like as Linda. I thought there was a mistake or somewhere, but she said no. It's going to be a beautiful light broth, and it was great. Well, the meatballs. Give the flavor to the broth, and then a little lime. On the the Times recipe didn't have lime in it, but we but we added that because that's how Grandma served it. One of the things I like about that cuisine is the combination of raw, cooked, and pickled food, pickled vegetables. I think you have to have all three on the table. Hmm. They have um, pickled plum. It's kind of like a mugoshi plum. Huh. They are, and they they. Pickle ca- cabbage and cucumbers and all kinds of vegetables because you, there was no re- refrigeration. Everything had to be pres- preserved. That was a theme through all of our conversations, Linda and I had about the food. Is that you know you're in this hot, dry climate and you have to make you have to make do with what you get. You know things come in seasonally, um, and you don't always have them. Water doesn't isn't always around, and you have to either dry it, pickle it. Or catch it fresh and eat it right away, and um, or ferment it. So the the machaca we made yesterday was with these dried dried slabs of dried beef that I bought like two two and a half years ago and kept in the freezer. My dad used to bring whole sides of it if we put it in the freezer. Mm. He used to drive all around Sonora in his job as the the hardware store farm machinery guy. You get little bits of food from the farmers of what they grew with the best. Mm. They were proud of. Oh, yeah. wow. Amazing. That sounds terrific. And your mother was a good cook. She learned to make Southwestern Sonoran food. She learned to make some of it. My grandmother um, was the one that cooked that really well. My mother was from the Midwest. She was a kind of a meat and potatoes girl. 
but she she did she did good 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 roast meat and she did good um vegetables. She did a number of different vegetables. And we had a vegetable garden. So we had a lot of fresh food. Mm. The the meat was all organic. I mean, in those days, the meat was all grass fed. Didn't go to a slaughterhouse. Well, my dad would buy it straight from the from the rancher. He'd come home with a whole half of the beef. That went in their freezer too. We wanted to make sure to leave a little time for you to talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. What Sonora's like today, what the experience of the book was like, what you're doing next, anything you like. Well, the overwhelming idea of the Sonoran Desert is that it's, it's the same on both sides of the, of the border. It's, just, it's the same culture. And it's just been taken up in different ways. And the, the people down in the Rio Sonora Valley are so cooperative. There's a difference between the way American ranchers live. They buy a house in the middle of thousands of acres and then they're isolated. And their wife doesn't have anybody to talk to and they go crazy. But in Mexico, they build a village. They all live together in the village. And they share the common grazing lands. And so it fosters an, an attitude of cooperation. If you break down by the side of the road down in that area, somebody will stop, help you. They'll dive an hour into town to get you apart and bring it back. If you do that in California, I mean, by the side of the freeway, they'll just run over you. <laughs> so it's a, a different, it's a different morality because when you have to be interdependent, you're not going to steal your neighbor's car if he's if you need him to help you fix your fence next week. So everybody helps, and it's just an unusually friendly, sort of kindly part. I mean, the culture was much more similar before the border was fortified. I would imagine. Well, I got the same hot dogs on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the car stealing <laughs> culture. <laughs> but a Samaritan hot dog is like nothing you ever ate. It's like you put everything that you had in the refrigerator into a hot dog and, and, and it tastes good. First of all, they wrap the, the, the sausage and bacon and cook out on the fire. And then start adding stuff, beans, mayonnaise, ketchup. Chilies, those big banana peppers. And chopped vegetables, salsa. It sounds disgusting. And it's so good. You eat one and you go, oh, my God. I, have to, I, don't, I never eat hot dogs. You eat Sonoran hot dogs, though. I eat Sonoran hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I, when I first saw them, I'm sure you've had them. We must have both had them. Already. I've had them in Tucson all I the time. Not, yeah, whenever I, I go to Tucson. There. I've never been to Tucson. In fact. I just don't know how, how you're supposed to like dislocate your jaw like a python. <laughs> your, it's your mouth around it. Tucson has good food, surprisingly. Oh, it, I yeah. I love yeah. seeing my friend, but we spend the whole time out eating and then hiking to try to work well, it off. A lot of good chefs live there because it's not so expensive to rent. We lost all the good chefs here in San Francisco because there's just too much money to rent. Last thing we ask is what you had for dinner last night. I don't know if you were together or not. I had tuna peños. <gasps> I'm going to make those. Describe we can them, put a... please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not a big dinner eater. Tell them what tuna peños are. Tuna peños are jalapeno, fresh jalapenos with the teeth removed, and then fresh, really good tuna salad. You have to have a really good tuna salad. And I I first saw it at a party at my sister-in-law, and I thought, this is gringo food. I'm not eating it. I took one bite, and it was delicious. It's The, the chili makes it taste real fresh, and the tuna gives you some protein, which is always hard for me to get. 
and like beans and rice. So that's why I, I ate jalapenos. Sounds great. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you both. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. I'm going to read you the head note for Jackie Ronstadt's tuna panos. It's so much fun and such an easy recipe and such a beauty. Right, Linda and Lawrence, just so you know that this book isn't all about the distant past. I'll mention that not long ago I was watching the excellent series Fleabag with Lawrence. It was season two where Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character falls for an unattainable priest. As we binged the series, I binged on tuna-stuffed jalapenos. This is an Arizona thing, definitely not a recipe from Grandpa Fred's day. And it's been a Ronstadt family appetizer for years. I learned about them from my sister-in-law, Jackie, who married my brother, Peter. What is this gringo food? I asked her. I was just shocked. I thought, people are really doing this? And then I ate one and went, okay, I'm eating up the whole plate. We call them tuna peños. I told Lawrence that the tuna you get in cans today is no match for the tuna of my childhood. The flavor is insipid somehow, but he wanted to try anyway. I will admit that his was pretty good with mayo and chopped onion and pickles. I ate most of them myself. Anyway, here's the recipe. 12 fresh jalapenos, 3 cans of solid white albacore tuna in olive oil, half a cup of mayonnaise, two tablespoons of Dijon mustard. You can see where this is going. Three scallions, finely chopped. Three tablespoons dill pickle, of course, diced. One teaspoon dried dill or to taste, or you could use fresh salt and pepper to taste. Paprika for garnish. This is the easy part. Slice the peppers lengthwise, remove the seeds and the ribs, and set aside. Drain the tuna, and in a medium bowl, combine it with the remaining ingredients. Obviously, you want to taste that. Make sure you've got it the way you want it. Fill the jalapeno halves with the tuna mixture. Arrange the tuna peños on a platter and sprinkle with paprika. That's it. Enjoy that. Well, I don't know about you, but that made me want to go to Sonora. So um, maybe this winter. Anyway, thank you for today's guest, Linda Ronstadt, and my good friend, Lawrence Downs. Thank you to Kerry Conan for co-hosting. It was really fun. Nice to have a true icon on the show. Linda and Lawrence's book, Feels Like Home, is out now. So grab a copy of that. And let me remind you to please subscribe to our podcast, rate it wherever you get your podcasts. And please also subscribe to The Bitman Project at bitmanproject.com. Thanks to Kate Bittman, our show's producer, and to Davis Lloyd, our engineer. And thank you all for listening. Tune in next week when we will have somebody wonderful. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.